I think I've just about got it. The last piece of evidence to bring the vanguard down. Hey, hey you! You're not supposed to be here. Yeah, you're under arrest. Damn, it's so close. You have the right to remain refreshing. Everything you say will be used against you in a bingo court of law. Bingo, the world's only soda. You're charged with the corporate offense of trespassing on secured property without your mandatory zesty <sighs> life. Commercials these corporate police read get longer and longer every time. I guess I can just open a shift and escape to Arcadia. On the extract mines of Romulan 17. Hey, what's that light? Wait, stop! <sighs> Good old-fashioned Arcadia. Looks like I'm free and clear. Hey, hey you! You're not supposed to be here! You're under arrest. Not here, too. You are found in breach of the laws set forth by the Bingo Meadery. You must report to the Honey Alls to banish the rogue alchemist from the distillery. Oh, getting rid of an alchemist. That's easy. Eh, you're off your noggin. No, not really. I mean, all you have to do is some basic arithmetic, and then on your way up to the alchemist, you have to remember to watch out for fireballs. Gary Butterfield. And I'm Cole Ross. And you are listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a retro video games podcast. And this episode, we're talking about The Longest Journey. The Longest Journey, of course, being a point and click adventure game developed by Funcom uh, and released on the PC in 1999. This was developed by Funcom, but it was kind of a, a singular kind of expression um, by a guy named Rangar Tornquist which is the, the most barbarian fucking game developer name ever. But in this game, you, you play as, as a young art student named April Ryan, uh, who discovers her magical power to slip uh, between two versions of Earth, the technological Stark, where she's from, and uh, the magical Arcadia. And what results is a really massive, massive, massive adventure <laughs> game. Uh, Some could say the longest adv- adventure game. <laughs> the, the title, spoiler, is not a lie. Um, 13 chapters and uh, you have to explore uh, pretty much every corner of both worlds. Yep. 13 chapters and a prologue. Oh yeah. And, and a postscript and an epilogue and a sequel. And, <laughs> and you have to play the sequel and uh, they're actually deleted scenes, kind of outtakes as well. Yeah. Those were um, funny. I liked those. I like those too. In the, uh, in the game, you control it from a third person perspective, kind of like full throttle or the curse of monkey Island or any of those uh, Lucas arts games. You know, you click to move around, you double click to run, and you can right click and bring up uh, like a badge with different ways you can interact with the world. That's pretty simple. There's only a couple of things that you can do with uh, with any given object, item, or person or location. Um, it's not like earlier text adventure games, uh, you know, where you had to try every single verb and every single noun. Just a couple, just a handful. Or, or even like Maniac Mansion or you know Scum VM games where yeah. you know push, pull, put. Like they're all you know separate separate interaction so yeah this is past that mm-hmm. uh the game was really well received um at the time of its release as kind of a critical darling um and it continues to be well regarded uh by adventure game enthusiasts today 
um, it's pretty remarkable because it came out kind of after the uh, the golden age of of uh, point and click adventure games. They they had pretty much worn thin by that point in in popularity. Right. This is 1999, so this is after you know, like Half Life and and I'm mean, just put in kind of a context. You know, this is the the end of end of the 90s, so like Half Life and and the the big Final Fantasies that all come out and gaming trends had definitely moved on. So the fact that this was such a success is really a surprise, even though I think that we'd both agree that it was well-earned. There was a sequel to the game called Dreamfall, uh, The Longest Journey, that came out um, shortly after the game, I think in 2003 or 2004, um, on PC and on uh, the Xbox, actually, the original Xbox. Uh, it's available as an Xbox original on uh, on the Xbox Live Marketplace, and uh, I'm definitely going to be uh, pursuing that after uh, we record this here. I've read a little bit about Dreamfall. I've, I've never played it. Apparently, they add in some kind of action and stealth elements yes. to it. Like, there's kind of a, a more arcadey, actiony uh, side to it, which is interesting. You know, there's only a few games that mix that that kind of adventure genre with with other genres that I can think of. Um, but it's pretty neat that it's uh, it's still readily available, and it's also well thought of. Everything you know, I read good things about it. You know, few people think it is quite as good as The Longest Journey, but um, it is also supposed to be good. I mean, I, I I kind of look forward to any opportunity to spend more time in this world. And th- th- there's always been kind of this promise of, like, Longest Journey chapters or Dreamfall chapters, like an episodic thing that Funcom is working on. But right now they're working on a game called The Secret World, and there's actually some media out there for that. Um, and it looks pretty sweet, too. In addition to that, they're also working on an iOS version of uh, of the game. But as of this recording, it's not available just yet. That might work out, I think, on, on the iPad just fine. I would have a really hard time playing this game on an iPhone or, or iPod screen. I have trouble playing point-and-click adventure games on my iPhone screen. I've got I've got some mitts on me, Gary. You haven't ordered your special dialing wand? It appears that... I'm sure you have lovely hands. I'm, yeah, no. I'm not. I'm 100% sure. <laughs> but, <laughs> my surveillance is anything uh, to be dependent upon. <laughs> but uh, but but yeah, that uh, it'd be neat on an iPad just to like to sit on a couch, and and it's 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 an interface that makes perfect sense for uh, for point and click adventure games. Because really, all, have to, all you have to do is point. The click is is optional. And then before we kind of get further into it, unlike most of the, the games we play, we're going to go out of our way to, to have a spoiler warning on this one. Because I feel like a lot of the other games we've played, you know, learning about what happens is not going to ruin the experience. But for this game, the story really is the main draw. And, and I think by a country mile, like the strongest part of this game. So if you're planning on playing it, if you haven't played it yet, um, go go play it. Come back in like 25 or 30 hours. <laughs> And then, and then and then listen to the rest of the podcast. Yeah, just we'll we'll be here when you when you when you come back. Don't worry. In, in real time, actually, just leave your iPod running. Thirty hours of silence. <laughs> why, right here. Why is my iPod full? Wait a minute. Episode eight was four gigabytes. You had to buy a separate iPod. So yeah, a uh, blanket spoiler warning. Uh, we're going to tell you. Um, you, you know, the plot is is, is great, and you know, fr- from kind of the, the the arch of the you know like the, the the story's trajectory all the way down to kind of like the little interactions that we're going to talk about, like the nice little scenes. It's nice to be caught by surprise by those. So so really sincerely, uh, do yeah, and- do do put off listening to this if you haven't played the game yet. Yeah, and kind of further, just spoiling the the podcast. I think that we both would agree that it's worth playing as well. So if you're kind of on the fence about it and and our this our recommendation means anything to you, um, I would say it's worth playing before you before you listen to the show. Yeah, yeah. So 
So, so why don't you tell us all about the plot? Yeah, let's spoil the shit out of this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> let's, get, let's get to spoiling. <clears throat> Long ago, man grew proud <laughs> and attempted to manipulate the balance between magic and science to their favor. As a result, uh, ancient dragons and <laughs> Thank lords... Thank you for dropping out of that before I had to tell you to. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, just, I, I wanted to begin long ago like that. No, but uh, a bunch of important people, including dragons, they got together and performed a ritual that split the world into two, uh, the aforementioned Stark and Arcadia. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and they, we, they put a, a guardian in place, and uh, two factions formed... These Sentinels who wanted to protect this balance, you know, of having the two worlds separate. And then the Vanguard who wanted to, to bring down that balance and unite the two worlds. And uh, in modern day where we start, the Vanguard um, have assumed complete control over Stark pretty much through uh, shell corporations and, uh, and a church that isn't the Church of Scientology. No, no. That's <laughs> not that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, the, the the vanguard on the Arcadia side are advancing on uh, on the Sentinels, and they have actually kidnapped the Guardian who was put into place, and are attempting to kind of vat grow their own Guardian to put in and uh, seal the deal, as it were. Right, and it should be said that modern day in this case is in the far future. Yes. So it's not um, you know a typical like there, there's kind of a trope in in magicy movies where. You know, my, my friend Derek coined it uh, that we use is a librarian in New York. And I don't know why we always say that, but it's just like you're a librarian in New York. You find a magic book and the story is just about like, whoa, what is this fantasy land? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the cool things about the game, and we'll talk about this more later, but it's just that it's not, you know, both worlds are worlds you're unfamiliar with. Um, it is the far future and is a really well-imagined, well-established, well-realized future. Yeah, we can't get away from cyberpunk, can we? No, no, we can't. And we also can't get away from games that are about the intersection of magic and technology. I know, right? Um, because, you know, we Final Fantasy VI coming up, this game, Shadowrun, like that, <laughs> that conflict is uh, integral to, to watch out for fireballs. Yeah, missed. Yeah. yeah. But uh, in quote unquote modern day, and it's hard because that Stark is the one that we have the most like point of reference to. It's the one without the talking birds. Mm. <laughs> but uh, in, in Stark, there's a girl named April Ryan who is, who is, as I mentioned, the protagonist. She's having nightmares and she's kind of just generally losing her mind and fears that she's losing her grip on grip on reality. Um, and an old man named Cortez um, helps her discover her ability to uh, to shift or uh, move between Stark and Arcadia. And this is shift with a capital S, you know. So uh, once that happens, April is enlisted to travel between the two worlds and unlock the gate to the Guardian's realm by enacting various prophecies and thwarting the Vanguard. Um, all the while, she's finding out more about her past, finding out more about the world, and she eventually discovers that she may be the next Guardian. So, so yeah, the game kind of starts out... Um, well, really, with a you know in media res old woman telling a story to to two people who may be grown but are acting like children, a- asking for story time. Not really sure about that. They're just two two characters, guy with hat and girl. The, the, thus, the story starts, and April is uh, in the in the prologue on a gigantic cliff with a with a dragon's nest and an egg and a tree and water and things like that, and she's in her underwear, and it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's I mean it sets a really nice kind of beginning tone for the game. You know, it, it the game is it has a has a nice sense of humor to it, but not, you know, in a way like Monkey Island or or Full Throttle or Day of the Tentacle or anything like that. Like it's not a comedy game. It's just kind of wry. And uh, you know, the the game really establishes that well early on. I also really like how the, it kind of just drops you into this 
this world, and that has a you know kind of a nice tie to dream logic. Mm-hmm. You know the uh, you know you're you're really a kind of a fish out of water immediately, and it took me a little while to become acclimated to the the setting, but I enjoyed it. It was a a nice experience, and it gets you acclimated to um, clicking around and looking for things because this, like a lot of you know adventure games, you know a lot of your success will depend on your ability to like kind of pixel hunt, but also learn how to identify things that might be useful to you. Um, you know, there's a couple. You know, the the the, the humor that we mentioned. Um, there's some of it's like a little little out of place or a little dated. It takes a little while to get get comfortable. Um, you know, it's all part of that just initial shock. Um, there's a there's a joke about the price of bottled water in it, which is like, you know, that's it's not really a thing anymore. What's the deal? Yeah, what's <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And it, it's is, you know, so th- that's kind of a, a rare misstep. And this chapter is really short too. Um, you know, flying in the face of uh, the next like several chapters, which are which are huge. Um, we're just kind of gonna go through chapter by chapter and and talk about mechanics and the and the story kind of interwoven here. So uh, after after the prologue, uh, we end up in chapter one, which is called Penumbra, um, and this is the chapter introducing kind of April's home life, and uh, you know she lives in this boarding house. You learn a little bit about this world that you're in, and uh, the kind of main conflict is you're, you're supposed to meet this guy named Cortez. He's a local weirdo, and uh, you want to get across across town to an art show that he's attending. Yeah, and th- this is a great chapter because it does introduce you to kind of some of the some of the great characters in the game. And this game really does hinge on the interest the, the interestingness of the characters. You know, you have a lot of options to talk to them and really kind of get to know them. I mean, like specifically, yeah, I really liked the touch of the of the uh, the, the lesbian landlord that you've got. Mm-hmm. That 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 was neat. Cortez is great. I kind of imagine him in the movie version being played by Tom Waits if he were Hispanic. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, he's kind of a. a, a... You know, just a, a a wise you know a wise guide type character, but he's got he's got a lot of character, and all all of the side characters are really well developed. Um, your your boss, your buddy at work, um, not so much your best friend I found, but the bartender. <laughs> your best friend was a little bit boy crazy, like, and that kind of flew in the face of what I liked about the game a bit. Yeah, because you know, like, oh gosh. You also run into Zach, who <laughs> who, who is uh, another tenant at the boarding house. Which there's no reason why anybody would allow this guy to stay there because he's so <laughs> he's such a creep. Like he's such a, a ridiculous horn dog and and aggressive too. Like he was like Adam Sandler and Punch Drunk Love. Like after he goes crazy, like I, I just kept expecting him to just go off the fucking handle. Like all the time he's just like, you know, hey baby, let's go on a date. And then like you uh, your options like oh I don't know or yeah maybe or in your dreams. And no matter what you say, he's like, don't fuck with me, bitch. If you fuck with me, I would slap you. Like he's so like threatening is ridiculous. And that just gets like worse and worse until it just dropped out of nowhere. I don't. He's he's a weird character in this game. Like it's a it's really strange. Did he die in your playthrough? Yes. Okay. I I, I didn't know if that was an optional thing. In uh, in a non satisfying way, or <laughs> he just happened to be standing around. Yeah. <laughs> when these stormtroopers kind of bust in, it's like oh no, you know, old Zach. Old Zach was made an example of. But uh, I think that that gets into something too because. It, it was weird for me and it's out of place. I, I don't remember ever playing an adventure game where like the, the words fucking bitch were used. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's pretty, pretty adult yeah. in that respect. Is it rated M? Um, I don't know. I'm not 100% sure. It should, I, it has to be. Yeah. I can't, I can't imagine it not being, Yeah, just but, some real creepy, creepy rapey overtones. Yeah. Just a, just a little bit. But, uh, you know, you're trying to get across you're trying to get across town and, and find Cortez and figure out because he alludes that he has 
um, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, clue as to what's happening to you. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the first chapter, I think you can do it in the second chapter, too, has um, the worst puzzle sequence in the game. Yeah. Yeah. This thing, this thing sucked. And, and I, you know, I started playing. We'll talk about this a little bit later. I started playing this kind of late in the in our two week span. So this was really discouraging for me because <laughs> I was like, I know this game is reported to be really long. I just got, you know, I just started and I run into this fucking puzzle where you're, you're essentially creating like, you know, those grabber sticks for old fat people that they <laughs> yeah. show on TV where so it's like you're reaching sticks. Yeah. Like uh, you need to get your, your Malamar, uh, you know, <laughs> to, like fell, in, to, fell into the corner. Yeah. Yeah. And so you get this great, so you have to create one out of just like this random fucking hodgepodge of items. And it's so bad and so like it almost seems meta. Like it almost seems like it has to be commentary on adventure games because it never happens again. There's never this like combine 40 random objects in a way you would never think mm -hmm. that you get at different points in the city to create something really mundane. You, you, you get know? you get these items so early and you hold on to them. And most of the later most of the later puzzle puzzles were really good about clearing stuff out of your inventory. Like mm -hmm. everything that you need was found locally. But the but the entire point of this is to grab this iron key that you don't you don't realize you need until the next chapter. And I even had trouble figuring out where the key was. Right. It's not obvious. No. Um, so and it's it's really obnoxious like it yeah. and it, it seemed like something where i could use if i were there and this is a common video game thing you know why don't you just jump over the waist high wall <laughs> you know like if i was there obviously i would do things differently but in adventure games it's extra frustrating because you're not supposed to be like a super powered character you're supposed to be someone regular and i just kept thinking like man if i had a broom <laughs> or or anything like i could i could grab this key you know if i had a stick you know go grab a stick I've seen sticks in the game. Just yeah. grab one of them and then just like just loop it around the keyhole or the uh, key ring. You'll be fine. So so don't get put off by this if you decide uh, you know still to play because it is it's dumb, but it never yeah. does it again. It felt like it belonged to a different game. It really yeah. did, and maybe like they put it this early to like get the poison out. Like... <laughs> it's like a copy protection thing, like except it just it protects you versus you know it's a patience protection. Exactly. Like we don't want people who are going to be put off by this playing our game. Yeah. And, and, you know, for, for any puzzle like this, you know, my, my philosophy is the second I smell bullshit, I turn to a fact. Yeah. Um, and one of my favorite new phrases that I came up with in the something awful thread, giving myself credit for it. Fact isn't a four letter word. No, no, no. it's not. No. Yeah. If, uh, the, uh, I like, I would like to take a second to the, the fact that I like to use for adventure games is something called the universal hint system. Oh, um, if you just Google that. Uh, it, it was made for adventure games. Some guy put it together and it just, it's the least spoiler, 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 Spoil spoilery. Oh yes. Yeah. There we go. Um, at least what Cole said, uh, fact online for, for games. Like it just, you know, you, you, it just gives you questions like, Hey, how do I get this key? And then it mets out information in, in kind of degrees. So you just get as much information as you need. Um, it can even give you just kind of that, that point between just telling you the solution and giving you just kind of a bump in the right direction. Mm -hmm. um, it's really great. And I used it a lot during this game and used it in this puzzle. That's something that modern adventure games are doing, really, um, is is figuring out how to get you those hints. It's just too bad that this came before that second wave. Although right. that's probably unfair. This game probably helped usher in that second wave where they did that. So so um, after you you know you meet Cortez and uh, he shows you shows you a painting and and gives you some kind of really kind of just like philosophical you know spiritual at this point it just sounds like kind of fluff like new age fluff 
you know, but he's giving you, he's baiting you along with just enough information. Like he knows just enough about your specific situation to make you think he's not bullshit and to kind of intrigue you and intrigue April. He says, uh, you know, tomorrow meet me at this old theater and, and we'll, I'll tell you more. And then you go back and you go to sleep and you wake up again in chapter, chapter two. Mm-hmm. Um, is is where stuff gets real, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, because you go out and you find Cortez, and uh, you ruin a cop's life. That's fun. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's a nice like little puzzle. You're trying to get into the theater. There's a, a mentally disabled janitor out front and a cop who's staking out the theater, um, which was my first hint that maybe Cortez was on the kind of shady side of the law. You know, which I really liked. Like I was like, okay, you know, maybe they're looking out for Cortez. Um. And you, you just you really kind of destroy this guy progressively through the game. <laughs> uh, this time by doing uh, pushing a you know pushing a garbage can, you find a, a pool of kerosene, and you dip some candy in it, and and give it to him and give him like a monster diarrhea. <laughs> yeah, basically clean him out. This was a, a good example of like kind of an annoying adventure game thing where you know you have to where you can kind of see multiple solutions to a problem, but you have to find the specific one the designers were thinking of. And I kept thinking, like, okay, it's a puddle of kerosene. Like, maybe I'm going to start a fire, bring the fire department. Like, any of these things that would make sense, you know, because there's no way to know exactly what you're supposed to do initially. Um, but you can't. You just have to do it the specific way the designers wanted, which is not a problem specific with this game. It's an adventure game thing. But it was frustrating to me because any, you know, I thought of many solutions that would make just as much sense to me. And it was one of those things where, like, in, in other adventure games, is kind of like you, you try dialogue, and then that option goes away, or it gets grayed out, or something like that. And in this game, you can actually get pretty far, and you can find out a lot about a situation by consistently bugging people. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you if you bug this this cop enough, like, he'll, you know, talk about what he ate that day and say how he had to leave before he could get dessert. So, like, oh, what do you want? I want something sweet. So then you have to realize, oh, you have candy in your, you know, inventory and stuff like that. So so that that that's one way to kind of find purchase and, and figure out what they're trying to hint you to do. But by no means is that, you know, fair or, or, or intuitive. Uh, kind of like also how, how much the game depends on you examining items in your inventory. Uh, right. So, yeah. Like, because there, there's critical information that you that you only get by examining everything over and over again. Right. And you know, at, at this point, like I, you know, I realized I needed to give him candy. Um, you know, maybe I, I don't know if that was before I pushed the garbage can or whether I just didn't occur to me to like dip candy in kerosene. <laughs> like that's not. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I fed him so many candies before <laughs> realizing that I needed to do something different. Like I gave this guy like thirty candies. Yeah, try trying to like get him to have like a like a diabetic coma, you know. In, in the future, in Dreamfall. Yeah, he's, exactly. he's just a, exactly. He's just, just walking around. He's missing a foot, you know. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but after this is is one of my favorite sequences in the game where you where you gaslight the janitor. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you don't know what that that term means, it's it's a great great term. Um, it's when you. Uh, convince somebody that they're crazy by <laughs> by kind of like messing with reality um and and you you do so to this janitor and you you in another weird kind of adventure gamey thing you you stack stuff on a, a pile of garbage until it looks a little bit like a cop <laughs> and then and then scare him but you get inside the theater and cortez talks to you a little bit about you know old old movies and things like that you know just basic mm-hmm. flavor stuff but then he uh pushes you through a shift and says hey have fun in arcadia Mm-hmm. And this is your first introduction to Arcadia, which is kind of like, a, you know, if, if Stark is the, the technology world of the future, this is a fantasy, you know, kind of like a fantasy world. There's not as much like liberty 
taken with it. Like it's a pretty original world, but it felt pretty at home with, with what I thought of with like kind of fantasy, you know? So you, you end up in this temple um, and there, there's a priest there and he kind of explains the mythology and you can go explore this marketplace. And it's really pretty neat. Like it's, it's a nice, like the, the Vista has opened up, you know, you have an expanded, expanded world. I was a little bit put off by the, by the lore explanation. I understand that to a, to a certain extent it was necessary, but uh, the game had done so well up to that point by not hitting you over the head with exposition. And then it, it all of a sudden turns into, well, let's, let's walk along and look at some murals while I tell you exactly what's happening. It's like, Oh, well, no, maybe not really. No. Right. I've actually got a kind of not a, like a theory, but there's kind of a consistency in this game that I've noticed is that, um, that's what Arcadia is about. Um, you know, I, I found that to be a problem with a lot of Arcadia. You learn a lot of lore and it's very long and detailed and that's nice. It's not that it's not interesting, but it's very direct storytelling. Whereas all the storytelling about Stark, like everything you learn about the world of the future, is indirect and incidental. Right. And like really strong. Like learning about the kind of like what Stark was, you do all of your, your learning the backstory indirectly in Stark and very directly in Arcadia. But they're both in a way kind of equally alien worlds, right? Like I mean the, the world of Stark in the future is just really, really different. Mm-hmm. Um so I just I really preferred the way that I learned about, you know, the colonization and the kind of like corporate, uh, you know, dominance of the future in Stark to having like priests and scrolls and books just tell me things. You know, uh, Arcadia, it, it ended up being the Cimmerillion and I really wanted it to be the Hobbit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it. And even they even call like there and back again is one of the chapters you know, <laughs> when, you're, when you're in uh, the Arcadia. But that's a good way to put it. Also, some really great uh, characters in Arcadia. I mean, you don't lose like the, the, the charming people to this really kind of like stodgy, you know, fantasy. And then the orcs grew proud kind of thing. <laughs> um, you, you know, you have like map sellers who's, you know, just like maps, maps, get your maps. Yeah. And you have the yeah. talking bird and you've got a, a sarcastic sea pirate and you have a, um, a an expat from from Stark who wants to give you whiskey you know just uh, good good people all of the side characters are really well fleshed out i mean the the way you know there's a defining word for this game i would say it's probably rich oh, yeah. you know like there's a lot to it and there's a lot of depth and all of these characters are really interesting or really funny um you know and i i like them a lot i i like the the sea captain quite a bit like he's he's great <sighs> Um, Brian Westhouse, I kept feeling like there was more to his story. And then in kind of just reading on Wikipedia, I guess he's a playable character in Dreamfall. Yeah, he's like the tutorial character. Yeah, which makes sense. Like they would, they would bring him back because yeah. he's, he's very charming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, this, and this first kind of area, is, or this first foray into Arcadia is really just to kind of get your, get your uh, uh, bearings, honestly. Because Arcadia is huge compared to, uh, to, to Stark or the areas that you can go in Stark. Right, and you're going to spend most of your time in Arcadia. Yeah, the kind of the the beefy middle section of the game is almost all Arcadia. But uh, eventually, I forget exactly how, but uh, oh, you you activate this watch that Brian Westhouse gives you, and mm-hmm. uh, that signals Cortez to to bring you back to the to the to the Stark side, and uh, you know, Abra has a lot of. <laughs> What's that? I just the Stark side. Oh, okay. Duh. Yeah. Like it's not a joke or anything. I just laughing yeah. to laugh. Cool. But you have all this information about kind of like the way things are and the powers that are kind of at play and a hint of like what your role in this is going to be. Uh, and it's a lot to absorb. So that kind of begins chapter three. 
Right. So you, with this sense of context, you're, you're back in Stark and you have some goals. And one of them is to find out more information on the, this Vanguard, which, as we said, are the bad guys, the people who want to collapse Stark and Arcadia back into one world. Yeah. Um, so this information uh, or this chapter, this chapter, which is called uh, Friends and Enemies, is kind of all information gathering in Stark. And this is one of my favorite chapters in the game. I really like this chapter. <laughs> a lot of a lot of weird stuff happening in this chapter. You know, like a wide wide variety of, of experiences mm-hmm. um, here. You know, you you can, you can talk to this priest and get some information. You find this this punk kid uh, who who's somehow tuned in to this this difference. Who who introduces you to this hacker um, that you find? They're all they're and they're all great characters. Burns Flipper, I like him. Yeah, he's he's not a, it's like two things about Burns Flipper is one when you when you come up on him. Um, you know, you, he's like, oh, you know, I don't leave this place. And he's observing you through uh, security cameras. It's really nice when you go into his warehouse, you see yourself through a security camera. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. And I wanted them to do more things with that. They do a couple of other things, but I thought that was really interesting. I'm oh, sorry. That, that was one of the things that really the game did pretty well was providing interesting establishing shots. Most, most adventure games, when you play them, like it's these really kind of like static, you know, kind of like just what you need to see kind of areas. And when you first enter an area in this, there's a really great sense of place, like these gigantic wide views of the market or of this cathedral or, um, you know, the interesting ones, you know, like kind of like the breaking bad shot through the security camera, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, I, this ended up kind of being frustrating to me because, I like those initially, but I wish that you could fast travel past them later. Oh, yeah. The the trail leading up to Burns Flipper, three huge screens are like these docks that you never do anything. It's just a time suck to get through them. <laughs> Nothing ever happens in these screens that you have to go to get to him. Um, mm-hmm. But on the way to Burns Flipper, like, he, you know, we're talking about he's a shut-in and everything. I could have swore he was going to be a dolphin. <laughs> I was like, this is the future. I don't know very much about, you know, what, what's happening. He's going to be a sentient dolphin in a tank. He was a hacker, like like in a giant demonic. And it's going to be awesome. And his name is Flipper. I'm like, of course. And then like the, the kid warns you. He's like, I got to warn you. This guy's pretty weird. I'm like, of course he's weird. He's a dolphin. Um, <laughs> but unfortunately, he just turned out to be a hacker who has Brett Gelman's voice. Like if you listen to uh, Comedy Death Ray or listen to any of the Earwolf podcast, he swears and has the same cadence and voice as Brett Gelman. Yeah, but I liked him. He was he, he was one of one of my favorite characters, although not my favorite character. Yeah, he's he's very good. Yeah, and the uh, the uh, so you know you have to sneak into this police station for this for this kid who uh, you know who's gonna gonna give you some information. And uh, that was a really fun part too. You know, you deal with these two kind of union mechanics <laughs> who are real fun. There's like some some nice like poking fun at bureaucracy. Um, which is like a v- adventure game trope, practically. Oh yeah, like definitely. I, yeah. There's lots of things in, in Monkey Island where that happens too. Um, but all the puzzles in this part felt really right to me. Um, you know, you you find out the name of the form you need um, to to get them to quit their lunch early by finding an old copy of it. Um, when you have to sneak past the receptionist, you do it by pointing out a, a form that's really far away that's going to cause her to turn her back. Um, and then eventually you meet our cop friend again. <laughs> When you, when you get back in the police station and again, you know, you're just putting him through hell, uh, following up on earlier, he's just got his, you know, serious, you know, thunderous diarrhea, <laughs> it, it is, cataclysmic diarrhea. It is the end of days. Um, Johnny Cash is playing an acoustic guitar and storm clouds are rolling in. I hurt myself. But he's in a bad way and you steal it, his glass it, eye and you, you imitate his mistress. Yeah, and when you and you steal his, he's not only do you steal his glass eye, 
but he eventually starts sneezing and you know he's he's dropping his glass eye which you need to use to get past a retinal scanner <laughs> and you give him a glass eye from your little monkey friend <laughs> and then you trick him into picking that up and sticking it into his face picking it up off the bathroom floor mind you yeah it's, it's terrible like <laughs> oh, he's, no. he's undoubtedly dead he never shows up again and it's probably <laughs> because he had some terrible ocular infection jeez uh, but, but yeah, you, you get you get the information that you need on the Vanguard. You find out the name of their of their head honcho. Um, man, I think we 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 missed something. The uh, the the news report. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you when you approach the uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, Sorry. yeah, you you approach the police station, and there's like a plane that crashed into a building, and there's this like you know action news lady who's talking into the camera and it's like this several minutes long sequence where where they're talking about how how catastrophic this accident is and then they break and she's like swearing like oh i told you nobody would get any ratings on this etc etc it's real goofy it's real goofy and it's like out of nowhere and it's like really tonally inconsistent and i love it when you, when you show up too, when April shows up and the newscast is going on in the foreground, like she makes funny faces and does little dances in the background <laughs> to mess with it. Like despite the fact that two Earths are in peril, like she's still got her sense of humor. Oh yeah. Um, I just I just liked it being like a found camera angle. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're seeing the news report. Um, I just thought that was really clever. And also, kind of was a little bit of world building where like the uh, the way the news worked, where they weren't you know it was very blasé about human life. Yeah. Um, you know, so it kind of set that tone, but yeah, it's real goofy. Also, if you, I don't know if you did this cause this is a, a piece of optional content, but if you immediately try to get into the uh, police department without doing the tricky adventure game way, did you run into the theater cop? <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's there researching for a role or something. Yeah. He's really funny. Like you find this cop who's like an actor who's just like this really hammy, uh, you know, kind of flamboyant actor. And it's just really funny. Like it's a, it's a funny scene like this this chapter is full of that stuff it's, it's like stuff, really good. stuff that has no reason to be there but we're better for it agreed yeah but uh you get this information and then it's time to switch back over to the arcadia side for chapter four uh monsters is, is, is what that's called and this is kind of the beginning of the uh of the gondor calls for aid portion because you find out that there are all these um artifacts and things like that you, that you need to gather to assemble this key to the guardian's realm Right. And it's it's a real laundry list. Like I remember when and it turned out not to be nearly as involved as it seems like it's going to be. But most games, you know, you think it's like, well, you need to gather the three something. And this is like a disc that's been gathered, broken into four parts, two dragon's eyes, um, the location of something of the guardian, um, the location of the entrance to the guardian's realm. It's like eight things. That you have to get. And it's just like, I, I just remember just being like, oh, good night. Like, <laughs> like, ugh, like this is going to be intense. And, it, and I'll you know, just talk about just a, a second now. I was playing this under a deadline. Um, I had school stuff going on. I had to cram a lot of the longest journey into a short amount of time. I played uh, from, from 1 p.m. yesterday, finished the game at 3 a.m. With, with about a two-hour break for dinner. So uh, don't don't play this game that way. Though. No, <laughs> don't do that. You know, so I would say the best way would be to play this game like a book. Like, yeah. you know, play like a chapter a night or a chapter every other night for a couple of weeks and you'll really like it. Definitely. And and I apologize again because <laughs> you, you, you said in an email to me a couple of weeks ago, like, man, I'm looking and like the longest journey they're, they're saying it's like a like a 50 hour game. I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm like, no, no, it's not. No, adventure it's, games a, are, yeah, it's an adventure so. game. Like, I, I think I said, I think I said 10, 12 tops. 
Right. Um, and it's and it's it's considerably longer than that. It's not yeah. quite 50 hours either. Yeah. But it's it's a long game. It is it is long. <laughs> and and you, like you get here and it's almost like the real longest journey starts at this point because it, it, you're going to travel all over this land and go on these gigantic voyages and meet all these magical races and get their stuff. And those magical races are pretty neat. Like one of the first guys, he's like a he's a guy named Abnaxis, and he's a he's a mm. Venar, which apparently these like crazy little uh, like tiny lizard people who can who experience all time at once. Like they're like Billy Pilgrim, you know. Yeah, I thought he kind of looked like a, a fatter version of the Mister Show sketch, where the guy's uh, <laughs> an acid up to the neck. Yeah, he's, he's, just, a he's like brown. Dude. Yeah, he's like brown, just blocks. Yeah. You know, and it just kind of made me thought of that. But he he sees all the time at once. It's really cool. They do all this neat stuff with uh, tense and yeah. the dialogue. Um, he's he's a he's a great character, and it's an effort for him to speak in the present tense, and he's there specifically because he can do that. This is also when you get the the best character in the game. Yes, uh, Crow. <laughs> who who uh you know is a bird he's been he's he's a prize at a, at a kind of a, a huckster con man a carnival game type thing yeah and uh you know you eventually get him through a really weird you know when you're talking about how you have to examine your items um you get him using the fact that you have a, a screwdriver but it's magnetic and up until that point if you didn't examine it you have no reason to know that your screwdriver is magnetic mm-hmm. so it's really frustrating to know how to get past this this puzzle unless you've examined every item in your inventory and gold is in magnetic well it's not a, it's not a gold coin <laughs> it's not yeah uh, no you 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 get a gold coin eventually when i first got there and i saw the bird i'm like okay i need this bird mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> i tried to bet a gold coin and he says gold is worthless it's too soft you can't build anything out of it we use iron coins. I... So you have to, it's when you, when you get those coins later, they're gold colored, but they're like gold plated iron or something. I gotcha. Hmm. Okay. But you, you have to win this bird back because, uh, because there's this old experienced seaman who, who, who wants his best friend. And that's kind of like touching, like the way you said it. Cause he's got like this very forlorn hour. So it's like, Oh, I just miss my best friend. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> until you, until you find out once you actually free the bird, that he just keeps the bird in a chest yeah. and, and he just eats, you know, dung and like, you know, he's trapped in this dark void yeah. um, and then, know, forever. So it's, it's kind of bullshit. And when April wins, when April wins him, she shoves him in his in her, in her pants. Totally. And then, well, then gets him out to talk to him like right after. It's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> There's just this really awkward, like pants shoving sequence yeah. of shoving this bird into her crotch. <laughs> Like it's just it is really odd. But you but you find out that his name is Bird, which is short for that damn bird, which I which I love. Yeah. Um and then you you, you rename him Crow. And, Those damn uh, bird kids. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. uh but yeah, he's he, he's great. He's a he's a really good character. He he's really like an item that you use. You summon him with a with a little flute and he'll and he'll uh fetch out you know, fetch things for you, but he's got kind of this uh he's like a womanizer and he's like really insecure. Yeah, <laughs> this bird gets so much sex. <laughs> Like he's every time he comes up, he's talking about like these like little robins and little like Tweety birds that he's been doing. He's just like banging cloacas left and right. It's just like cloaca rub twenty four seven with crow. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, you, 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 he, he catches up to you after he escapes from his, uh, from his owner again. And uh, you're in the woods and you're traveling to see the mole man and you're captured by the Gribbler. Uh, yeah, the Gribbler is awesome. Who's like the, the, the witch from, uh, from Hansel and Gretel. Yeah, know? it's a real fairy tale kind of kind of part of the game mm-hmm. here. This and the Alchemist Castle was really kind of uh, uh, Grimm's fairy tale yeah. feeling to me. 
the Gribbler is like this old woman monster thing. No, no relation to Dale Gribble. Yeah, no, no, not at all. Um, and her CGI just, model is almost as scary as April's. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like she's intentionally scary. Yeah, um, and it, it's really fun. Like you just kind of have to trick her mm-hmm. to uh, to get out, and it's it's a nice nice little puzzle and really really cool little part of the game. Mm-hmm. You yeah. make uh, make friends with the mole people after this, and that part was really nice and kind of touching too. Like I liked the the mole people; they're real sweet. Yeah, they're just like real, real innocent. You rescue one of them from the Gribbler, and they and they venerate you as a, as the hero. And it kind of sets up this this recurring thing where where like every one of these magical races that you meet, you're you're one of you're like part of their prophecies. And, right. and until finally it gets like really self aware, April's just kind of like, okay, you know, what do I have to do here? <laughs> I get it. I'm the yeah. wind taker. Um, the uh, this 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 uh, chapter ends with a sequence I didn't I didn't like very much, where you you go to sleep in this like. Uh, spirit spirit quest tent of the uh, of the mole people and uh you you face like an evil april who discourages you and then you you face your your uh uh swishy bartender friend who encourages you and there's kind of a thing in in media where like you dream and the you you dream things that tell you what the character is thinking yeah. like just kind of dream characterization which I, it never works for me. Like it, it happened all the time in eighties X-Men comics where there'd be like dream sequences and it would show what the characters really want. Um, and I just always thought it was just really, really, uh, trite and just never works on me. Like it's just very direct. It, it breaks show don't tell because it's, right. it's always like somebody like telling you, I mean, as far as dream sequences go, I'd rather this would have been twin peaks as opposed to, you know, mid eighties totally. X-Men. But totally. The n- next, you know, next is is my favorite, one of my favorite chapters in the game. I would probably say my favorite, um, which is uh, there and back again, which has you restoring wind to the land of Arcadia by taking out the uh, the evil alchemist Clax. Mm-hmm. Roper Clax, which is a cool <laughs> name. Like it, a lot of the people in this game have really cool names like that. Right, Westhouse. I thought Roper Clax was a cool sounding sounding name. Yeah. Um, but like you, his 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 fortress is on this floating island, and it's anchored to this guy who's been turned into a statue. And you have to like, in order to get 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 him to pull the ladder down, you have to rub moisturizer on him, like skin moisturizer, because he's been stone turned to stone. You know, he's a, he's a really interesting character too, because he's a, a a vanguard sympathizer. Like when you talk to him, and he doesn't sound wrong, right? Like he's just saying, you know, if if they were in charge, if there were more controls over this magical nonsense. You know, this things like this wouldn't happen to me and all those people in there. And he's not made out to be a straw man or anything. Like, he's got a really valid point. Mm-hmm. And at this point in the game, I really thought maybe that's where they were going with it, where where they were going to add kind of this more nuance to the bad guys and make it more of like a choice. Like, they're both – they're goods and bads to both. They didn't quite do that, and it's fine. Like, I don't mind that they didn't. But it's not, like it's weird because they're, they're saying they're against the balance. But they just want it all mixed together, which, you know, is also kind of a balance. It's kind of a weird terminology. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things where it really kind of makes you think about it. And it, it gives you enough evidence of the way that this world works, where you think that, well, maybe if the Vanguard weren't, you know, a bunch of monsters led by horrible dicks, they might be a little bit more sympathetic. But, you know, right. not really. Which right. it, it feels like a bit of a wasted opportunity. But uh, but you're right. They, they they do at least at this early portion before you have all the information that you need, make the Vanguard out to be, you know, like like well-intentioned terrorists, I guess. I don't know. Right. But you get inside this uh, you get inside this fortress and it's like a like a magical maze, house of mirrors kind of thing. You have to get some pepper and throw it on a 
on a face on a wall to get him to sneeze out a bridge, something. It, I don't know. It, it looks like the end of Labyrinth. <laughs> like, have you ever seen, seen Labyrinth oh, when yeah. you're in that, like that, uh, uh, chamber of staircases? It looks like that. I was this, I like this chapter except for this one part. Like this was the one thing I really hated. Um, it has timing puzzles, which I never like in adventure games where there's like action. You know, you have to set like a stopwatch and do something before time runs out. Mm-hmm. Because what are you testing? <laughs> like what what in, what problem solving? What mentally are you you taxing, you know, when you do that? Nothing. It's just like how can I struggle with your controls? <laughs> and I kept like clicking over to where I wanted to go. And then she kept stopping before she got to the bridge. Oh, no. And every time you do any action in this labyrinth, you hear class go like, <laughs> like, and, and you can't skip it. It's like this annoying, and that's like, that's a short laugh. But sometimes it's like, mm, balance be damned, you yeah. know, and, and it doesn't seem like very much, but it just happens every time you do anything. And it, it's pissed me off so mad. I got like, I'm really mad at this point. Um, and, and just really frustrated. I just wanted out of this, this labyrinth <laughs> section. But it pays off. It pays off so well. Because because you're in a showdown with Clax, and uh, he lets you choose the terms. Because you know if it was like, oh, just my magic against your magic, you're going to win, Clax, because you're, you know, you're 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 a, a great alchemist. So let's let's pick something. And you have a bunch of different options, uh, including quoting shapes, uh, Shakespeare, hopscotch, and uh, tic tac toe. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were some of the other ones? You know, like, th- this is, this was something I, I feel like I kind of jipped myself out of part of this game because I went right to mathematics. Hey. I didn't realize that was going to be the winning thing. No, it's fine because each one of them presents like a little vignette. So like, you're playing mm-hmm. checkers with them and then finally like, oh, you win. And he goes, ah, and, and there's, you know, there's no consequence for failure. It's just moving on to the next one. And I love that in keeping with the theme, you know, the, 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 the answer is to present him with a calculator, which is an artifact from, you know, Stark and just, he can't do math. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and ultimately like, not only does he lose the challenge, but he gets sucked into the calculator. Which, for some reason i like, didn't understand I, it was just kind of out yeah. of nowhere it was fine I, yeah. it didn't bother me but it was a nice it was a really nice nice touch and all the dialogue with him is really great like you're a real matter of fact like you have these options he'll you know give you this kind of villain rant and he's like you're a real shit Clax." you know <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it's it's, it's real fun and april says i can pull a rabbit out of a hat and yeah. Clax says well i can pull a hat out of a rabbit and it's like yeah, oh, it's so good. It. <laughs> yeah it's funny but that's good. And the, you get access to his alchemy lab and you can mix together some potions in a puzzle that like could have been great if the interface wasn't a little bit uh, borked and he didn't, you know, have to waste yeah. a lot of time experimenting with it. But right. Yeah. This was I mean, it was it was fun. Um, you get a lot of like just kind of these potions that are going to be powers. That I knew we're going to be you know, you're going to use to solve power problems later. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I had no problem with the lab. I thought it looked neat. Like, I, you know, I. I liked that part just fine. Yeah. And, and now we're really getting into the kind of short micro chapters. Yeah. And we can yeah. kind of like breeze through these in, in the interest of time. But, yeah. <laughs> but you, you know, now the wind is back and you, and you have everything that you need to set out on, uh, on the second, on the voyage part of the journey. Um, mm-hmm. you, you can, uh, go, finally go out to this Island. You're on this boat and April sinks the ship with an ax for yeah, some just reason. in the dumbest possible way. Like she's trying to open up a treasure chest and instead just hits like a foot left of it and just puts a big hole in the ship. And then I see the ship sink. Like, and I, my really, my third, first thought was like, was I supposed to do that? Like, did I just fuck up and I'm going to get like a zero style game over right now. And it's neat because like it was her failure, not yours, you know, but it, right. it was, it was hard not to personalize it. Right. right. He's like, Oh, I just took away everybody's livelihood. They're probably dead. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so you, so you end up in the, the land of these uh, mermen. Um, this is a pretty shitty chapter. Yeah. It's really limited. Like you're only in like three different rooms. Um, but this is where you start, you know, finding out that you are the the person of prophecy to get the artifacts from these people. And, uh, it, you know, it's not that fun. You, you have to fight this giant, like, snapping fish thing. And the only thing you need to do is, like, use spear on fish. <laughs> and then April kind of goes over and waves it in the fish's face. And the fish just, like, shudders and flips over. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, seriously? Like, okay. It's kind of anticlimactic. And it's a big fish, you know. It's fine. Totally. But, totally. Oh, well. But uh, you get their little plot coupon thing and then you move up to you know you move up to their to their avian equivalent because you find out that they both had like the same ancestral roots and uh, you find the sky people uh, next um, in chapter eight uh, in order to kind of like unify them because they have this symbiotic thing that they're ignoring uh, by not coexisting together and uh, they're living up at this on this mountain and in order to get up to the mountain you have to solve this uh, really kind of mist style puzzle where you're uh, using these like ancient telephone system by aligning these poles right and some of the settings are broken on some of the poles so you have to find the right combination this is a really awesome puzzle like thought wise like this was something where once i figured it out i had to sit down and actually kind of i wrote it out on paper mm-hmm. you know which one would make sense mechanically it was annoying like anytime you have to flip a switch in this game it takes forever yeah. and uh that was really not you know and traveling back and forth was not very fun the, the points are where they put fast travel mm-hmm. icons don't make any sense to me like it, you know, up by the volcano and the forest and where the giant lives, mm-hmm. there are uh, you know there are fast travels directly to them. But for all the like the beach and the cliff and the the uh, the crab village, everything you have to just go from one point. Yeah. For no no good reason. The uh, the giant was was pretty pretty great character though. I thought he kind of <laughs> talked to like Vin Diesel a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like this: a giant Vin Diesel got trapped on an island, and, and it just wants to be left to his fishing and his Dungeons and Dragons. Um. Eventually, you know, through uh, in dealing with these kind of very delightful little stick creatures who are really <laughs> funny, um, you get over to the the Atlean or Alation, rather the Alation uh, village, and this is just kind of like there's not really a puzzle at the end of this. You have to listen to their myths and kind of memorize portions of them. Mm-hmm. And I thought these would you know potentially be kind of neat, but by this point in the game, I was so sick of having stories told to me, like passively, that I just I I skipped them. I clicked past them and I just like figured out from context yeah. what the right answer would be. So, I mean, I feel like I kind of cheated myself a little bit, but again, like as we said before, so yeah. much of this game is someone sitting down and telling you mythology. Yeah. They were interesting and, stories though. Um, and the, the dialogue skip button is definitely your friend because I, um, I don't, I don't read very fast, but I can still read faster than, uh, than the line. You readings listen, are done. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the air people are my favorite of the magical races. Like there's this like really nice kind of humanizing interaction that April has with like one of the Alation kids, you know? Yeah. And yeah. contrast that with the mer-, mer people where you just deal with one of them who's just kind of like a, a frigid, you know, cold queen, Yeah, you know, but it doesn't give you a sense of their world at all. Like you learn about the Alations, you learn about how they the bridge went out and now they just travel down to ships, mm-hmm. you know, for trade and you learn a lot about them. Whereas the mer people, you just, you know, don't get very much from them. Yeah. It really feels like a throwaway, honestly. Yeah. But you know, eventually you, you pass the memory quiz and you get their little uh, part of the disc or their statuette. And mm-hmm. uh, you move on to kind of like what I would consider to be the, the fast track towards the end of the game. Honestly, yeah. like the, this, this, that big middle chunk took up most of the time and then it really does kind of speed up into more relevant things as you move forward right 
So here, you know, you, you, you've got all of the, uh, the plot coupons that you're going to get and, uh, you return to Stark and find that, uh, the Vanguard have, have actually started pursuing you actively. You, uh, you go home and you find that they're, you know, you're, your landlord is there and your best friend is there and the, and they're being kind of menaced by this stormtrooper. There's this whole aspect of the plot where it's like the, I, I don't know, the, the, the Guardian has a band, like he was captured by the, the, the Vanguard and he's being held, held somewhere and they have this replacement who is broken into and one part of him is all logic and the other part is all chaos. Like that part, like that level of the story wasn't very well explained. Like I didn't realize that the big chaos cloud that was pursuing you the whole time was the second half of this guy who's the soft talking bald guy who shoots your friend yeah i mean i, I felt like i i got that but they don't underline it very much yeah like for something that's that important and this kind of plays into you know a frustration i have with the game is that like there's this kind of a pacing and kind of where they you know uh conservation of detail mm-hmm. problem which seems like almost like a classic thing where they they rushed it towards the end but it doesn't feel rushed it just feels like the beginning of the game, the chapters are very long. There are a lot more puzzles. The puzzles are more complicated. It's kind of more lackadaisical. Like you spend a lot of time doing very minor things. And the end of the game is so quickly paced and they don't spend a lot of time on these very important plot things. I wish that was balanced out a little bit better. Yeah. Um, you know, not having them talk very much about this character who's really supposed to be the antagonist of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but they just don't spend a lot of time with him. Like he's not built up very well. This is your um, first time you see him. Right, right. And April really should be more upset that her best friend got shot. (laughs) She really should. Yeah, her her friend gets shot and she takes that opportunity to run upstairs (laughs) um, without reacting. Yeah. And then then you run into Zach, who also gets shot. And if you you talk to him, he's like, hey, April, and then just (laughs) just gets shot in the middle of of nowhere. It's like, okay, tying that up. And the the kind of the choreography of these action scenes, it really shows the limitations of what they of what they put together with this engine because no two things can be happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of like awkward pauses and it's really just kind of like these animated um, dolls that are moving back and forth and it really like, loses a lot of the impact. Um, thankfully they didn't, they didn't go into full on CGI because then I would have never slept again, but um, <laughs> you, you know, right. I mean, then that's sad. Like this, this chapter is still neat because I like yeah. how it brings home the threat. Mm-hmm. You know, like these guys are undeniably bad guys. They are willing to to do terrible things in pursuit of their goal. Yeah. You know, so. But you escape these stormtroopers and you go back to Arcadia and you decide, okay, it's time to really get towards the end of this. You take all of your little uh, plot items and you melt them all together in uh, in a puzzle that would have been neat except for um, the event triggering that you had to do in order to get it. Um, you know, certain things won't happen unless you talk to certain people and it's not really apparent. And I guess we can just sum it up and say adventure game. Uh, at this right. Point. But, yeah. <laughs> There's a little bit of that earlier too. Yeah. Like in the game, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then that's always frustrating. There's also a weird part where you're putting together this, this plot item, you're, you're melting together all the, the mini plot items to make one big one. <laughs> and you put them in their spot and this dragon statue is supposed to breathe fire on them to melt them. But the dragon statue's mouth has been clamped closed by encrusted bird shit. <laughs> like, what a, what a weird, mundane thing yeah. to stop this mystical statue. Mm-hmm. Like, this magic statue that's going to spit magic fire. So you have to call a crow down to peck the bird shit off. <laughs> it's like, no way, lady. Like, like, yeah, <laughs> which, which is it's, it's funny, but it's like, what a weird, like, really? That's what we're doing? <laughs> like, I have to figure out a way to get a bird to peck off other bird shit to stop this magic? <laughs> like, this dragon shouldn't have a problem with that. No. 
you know what it was just real you know that felt a little weird yeah to me but uh, you get this thing together and then uh, you decide that it's finally time to take out the vanguard from the mm-hmm. uh, the, the stark side mm-hmm. yep you, you end up in the uh, the vanguard vanguard headquarters and uh, dealing with their leader McAllen, who's kind of the president. Um, the other guy we had talked to, the, the Gordon, was the uh, he's the guy who they're prepping to be the new guardian. Yeah. But this is kind of the leader of the vanguard. Yeah. And uh, this is where you you run back into um, Flipper. You find out Flipper's been compromised. He dies. Like everybody who's your friend, pretty much dies. Oh yeah. In the game. But what's neat about this chapter, I think, is that you get to see the upper city. And every, right. everything looks like an iPod, you know, up there. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of got a whole, uh, like, Final Fantasy VII, you know, Midgar, upper and lower city yeah. kind of thing going on. Um, and once you get up there, it's, it's pretty nice. There's a really funny bit with, like, you have to do this puzzle where you have to pose as a pizza girl. <laughs> and all the, the flavor text about this, like, mobile bingo pizza kiosk is really funny <laughs> to me. Um, the, the game kind of takes another, you know, you, it's, it's this real, like, kind of cliche where it's like, thank you for gathering all the items for me hero you know and you have to hand them all over and and everything and it runs into this other weird action piece where like there's this mutant guardian creature that they let out to kind of slowly chase you around the room and it is a weird sequence like it it's supposed to be threatening but it's not threatening no it ends up being more comical because he's got this gigantic umbilical cord that he has like heaved over his shoulder yeah it's yeah, yeah and, and he just i don't think he can hurt you like the few times he got no. near me he just kind of waves his arms and i run away from him yeah I was like, why are, you, why are you doing this? Like, no adventure developers, no action scenes. No, don't do it. You can't, don't, you can't do succeed. It. Stop. You, you quit it. <laughs> Stop quit it. it. Well, you don't know what's best for you. I do. Damn <laughs> Exactly. Consult me next time you're going to do something like Please. this. Please. And pay me. Pay me handsomely. And this is, you know, the climax of the game. You find out the big twist. Um, you know, Cortez and McAllen are both uh, dragons. Like earlier on, you find you have to get four dragon eyes and two of them are in Stark and two are in Arcadia. And interestingly, the two of them that are in Stark are, are Cortez, who you've been dealing with, and McAllen, who's the villain. Hmm. Um, they're, they're dragons who have morphed into people. And you also kind of in the course of this find out that the, the white dragon that you interacted with at the beginning of the game, uh, it's your mom. Yep. Yep, exactly. you're half dragon. You're a dragon person. Have fun. There's a couple. And this chapter also has like one of my favorite kind of novelistic touches there's like a brief little bit of foreshadowing when like and i it took i didn't figure out that uh cortez and mcadams were the uh the dragons until it was revealed mm-hmm. or until they, they said it but when you're you're talking to mcadams you're like what about the two dragon eyes that are supposed to be in this world and he's like well one of them i've had for ages and the other one i just acquired yeah. and just before that you found out that he just captured cortez yeah so it's kind of a nice little bit of like you know subtext but they they have their big uh you know falling from the sky turning into dragons and then maybe dying they, they don't really leave that but they're out of the picture right well cortez dies because his watch stops oh. like the watch you get is tied to his heart that's right they tell you so you know cortez dies at least yeah um so it's, it's up to you now you have to free the guardian um he's been you know captured by this company he's being sent out into space to be a column a columnist a colonist a columnist a columnist he's gonna, yeah he's gonna write he's, for them he's, he's gonna write ask guardian for the <laughs> <laughs> Newport Times. <laughs> I do not know. Perhaps you, <laughs> perhaps you should try talking to your wife. Is, is he the is he the big uh, the big moon person from uh, Aquatine Hunger Force? Yeah, I don't know. Pretty, or, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but, but, uh, um, 
but but right. yeah, and, and this is one of those things where like I had no idea that like the colonization and space travel was a part of it. But but again, it, it goes back to what you said about how the story of Stark is being built in, um, kind of implicitly. Like they enslave people, and they oh, they, it was mentioned with a little kid because his parents were sent out to be colonized, right? But yeah. they barely mention it. They don't really ex- like outright say it. They they just kind of like they're like oh, they're just going to be blissed out, you know. And I guess what it is is in the future. You can sell yourself to be high on this this drug, like a bliss cloud, mm-hmm. they call it, and do menial labor, and just pretty much be zonked out of your mind. And in one of like the you know one of the better moments of like the the, the sheer uh, sorrow of the future is when you eventually get in the lobby of all these people. It's huge, it's full, mm-hmm. and like you're just like oh they just look nervous and sad, and so all these people have pretty much sold themselves to just be in like a blissful haze mining. Yeah. For the rest of their life. And it's really cool. Like that's like what a neat, you know, that was the first like real hint where I was like, not the first, but one of the, the biggest hints where I'm like, this is a really awesome realized world. Yeah. And then, you know, this would be a great novel or a great uh, miniseries or something. Mm-hmm. And, and it really is. It's it's like something straight out of Huxley, you know. Right. But uh, I, I really love this point of the game because, you know, you're going to space and you're probably not going to come back. And, and I like this part of, of a lot of games where you go, where you take that one final step into kind of the unknown, in this case, space, and then ultimately another dimension. But just like where it feels like the situation is bigger than you can handle. And you're, you know, we don't know if we're going to come back. And, right. and, and that's kind of cool. And I felt like this was one of the stronger chapters, you know, kind of for that, because there's a lot of anticipation, you know? Right. It's a fun chapter. And you, uh, you know, you, you do, there's a fun puzzle where you're like manipulating where guards are and like when they take their breaks and you also poison one of the guards with an aphrodisiac yeah (laughs) (laughs) the number one source of manly vigor may result in involuntary spasms and discharge (laughs) (laughs) yeah just kind of this super space viagra (laughs) stuff and it's pretty good like when you give it to him like that reaction's real priceless like he's like well i whoa whoa (laughs) this qualifies as an emergency (laughs) yeah i need to get to a brothel quick (laughs) and drain the uh, <laughs> it was it was real good though yeah yeah <laughs> but uh, eventually you break this guy out adrian the old guardian he's a little shit i don't i, yeah, I hate this guy he's wearing like a, a sky blue hoodie and his arms his wrists only go up to his like rib cage for some reason his arms are really short yeah. he walks really slow and like a zombie and yeah, this guy's pretty annoying. But you throw him into a spacesuit, which he doesn't understand, and and you, and yeah. you send him out to the to the rift. Yep. And this is kind of where the the game ends. You're at the you know the Guardians uh, Watchtower, the Guardians Dimension, and uh, you're trying to get Adrian back and 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 get yourself installed as the Guardian before this uh, this puppet Guardian that they've created ends up there. And and you have to solve these you know three great trials. You know, and mm-hmm. group proud kind of thing, um, right. and uh, they're nice. I, I I like those, especially the one where April's confronting her dad because that's like you, you expected there like there to be like you know this history of abuse or like something mm-hmm. really bad because she builds it up. You know, she she's run away from home at the beginning of the game, right? You know, in, in order to go to art school, and you think like, oh, maybe there's you know some sexual abuse which would be terrible and depressing or physical abuse, and really it was like emotional neglect. And he gets to tell his story, you know, while drunk after you have, you know, like dream warped back into being a little girl and like saying, daddy, I forgive you kind of thing. So, right. It's, it's, a, it's really cool. Like he drops you mm-hmm. is what, what it is, is when you're a baby, he dropped you and they thought you weren't going to walk. 
And then he just resents you for getting, you know, every time you're getting better and he just is so guilt stricken. Yeah. It's really nice and really subtle. Um, I really like that, yeah. that sequence too. It's like they had an opportunity to make it kind of like cheap or emotionally cloying. And they went for a more complex, you know, kind of piece right. of backstory, which was nice. Very nice. I know that you had said that you liked this next puzzle. Um, you go through this, you have to build this bridge from the well of nothingness, but I, this, I, I hated this puzzle. I think this was my least favorite puzzle in the game because it just, it, it just felt like it was stretching it. Like you, you're at the, the trial of creation and the way you do it is you find out there's a void under this fog and you drop some water into the void. Mm-hmm. And then the logic is supposed to be like, that's putting something into nothing and thus creating. But it just, it's just like, okay, you know, you only have like, you have like three elements that are there. There's just like fog and nothing and water. And there's not very much to figuring out, you know, just kind of mashing them together until it becomes something that's like arguably on theme. You know, I, I just I rolled my eyes so hard. It was like, OK, you know, I guess dumping water into a void is creating nothing from so- something from nothing. Yeah. But and she's an artist. Like, I really thought there was going to be it was going to deal with that. OK. Like, you know, like that was going to be the theme thing. Like she spends a little bit of time, you know, eventually she learns to use painting to, to shift. And that whole thing is really resonant with me that like the uh, I can't remember which game. It, I feel like there's another game we we're talking about where that's a, a thing. But that kind of like the artist as a, you know, art as a uh you know, aspect of yourself and oh, we were talking about mist with the writing. right, right, yeah. exactly, yeah, with with mist, and I really like that. Like that's a that you know speaks to me, and I just it felt like a missed opportunity here. We just kind of bash crow and mist and water together until you get yeah. through it. I liked it because it was a word puzzle, and I was probably high off of goodwill from the previous conversation <laughs> with Crow, where, where Crow's like, hey, listen, you know what? You treat me like this item. You, you know, I, I really, I, I thought that I was your companion. And, you know, I found out, I, you found out that you called him Crow because, you know, the crows are these stinky birds back. Yeah, because he's a crow. Yeah. But like, I know what you think I am. And then April tells us like really heartwarming story about this, about this uh, old cartoon uh, called Crow Boy. He was a crow cowboy and he solved all these problems. Like, yeah. I wanted you to be this. And you're, you're, and you're not sure if she's lying to him or not, but just like how he turns around and he was like we're gonna be friends forever like that kind of thing yeah i like, actually i like that a lot i'm not yeah. i wouldn't be begrudge you that at all like the yeah. actual interaction with crow i think is really good yeah i was just annoyed by the puzzle part of it mm-hmm. and thematically but yeah like i mean that that part is really really sweet yeah. and, you know any anytime you can get more crow is really great <laughs> exactly so. but but you 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 i forget at what point you get rid of the chaos cloud or you you tame it oh no you trap him in the in the amulet of the balance right yeah, yeah, you yeah. just zap them with your your pot MacGuffin. Yeah, so. and and uh, and then you proceed up into kind of like the final climax sequence where it's uh, Adrian versus uh, versus Gordon mm-hmm. at the top of this tower. Well, you zap him with your your medallion, which puts the chaos cloud back into him. Yeah, because he was he had separated into pure like magic and pure logic, and thus kind of thematically, when you have them together, you know, then he's a complete person. And what's funny is April, all the way up until this point, she's laboring under the assumption that she's going to be the next guardian. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's not quite sure how she's going to, you know, handle A, the responsibility and B, being locked away in this tower for a thousand years, you know? And you mm-hmm. think like, it's like this grim duty, you know, you're, 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 you're stealing yourself for it. And it's this nice, like, um, almost kind of like emotional fake out where right. it's kind of like, well, no, you're, you're not the next guardian. In fact, you helped create the next guardian. Right. right. And it's like, well, where do I go from here? You know? And it never really, you know, that, that ends the game. You know, we have a new guardian installed and, and balances maintained. And that, that's really it. Like, you kind of, you go back to the storyteller. And uh, she, you know, hints at another story, you know, and says there are many stories to come. And she's obviously April 
in oh, the future, yeah. which I figured out like in the first scene she was there. I was like, okay, this is probably April telling the story. Yeah. Um, and that's really, that's the game. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not like this kind of grand wrap up, you know, there's not like a, a final fantasy six esque visiting of all the characters we've spent time with or anything like that. Like it just kind of ends to be fair. Most of the characters we've met are dead at this point. <laughs> I guess that's true. They wrapped that they tied up those loose ends. So quite, quite neatly. So, um, do we want to kind of talk about kind of general general positives that we uh, that we felt about the game? I mean, I can I can kind of start this one and say, you know, the the game gets a lot of of praise for having a very strong main character um, in April Ryan, and I think that every single syllable of that praise is uh, is pretty much deserved. Yeah. I mean, you know, most female protagonists or most female characters they're over sexualized and, and shallow, and it's you know, I'm kind of ashamed that this is still something that we uh, need to like laud as unusual. Right. Right. She's great. Like she's, yeah. she's smart. She's really funny without, you know, without being manipulative or being, uh, or manipulating that femaleness, right. you know, you're always laughing with her. She's funny because she's witty. Mm-hmm. It's not, she's not an object of humor. And she's just kind of like, I like the place that she's at in life, you know, is really not typical. And she's not, you know, a, a male wearing a female skin. You know, it's not like she's, uh, I don't know, like Marcus Phoenix, but just like, you know, a girl version, <laughs> right. you know, mm-hmm. like, um, and I, I, I totally agree. She's, she's really great. And she's a nice center point and she's, she's really well grounded compared to a lot of the kind of like the space cases that you meet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, she, she also is pretty, pretty aware of the fact that she's in an, an adventure game though. And I like the kind of meta humor that she brings to it, you know? Right. I like that a lot too. Like she, yeah. when she, she's kind of genre savvy. Yeah. Like when, you know, it's like the point you mentioned when she realized that she's the, the prophecy, prophesized, uh, savior of all these different cultures. Like, I love that moment when she gets it, <laughs> you know, and she's just like, okay, whatever, you know, just like, let's get on with that. Yeah. And that, that's, that's really, really good. Mm-hmm. And and as we mentioned before, the game plays homage to, or pays homage to a lot of, uh, adventure game greats, like the constable Guybrush. There's a street named Calavera Crossing, which is nice. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's aware of its history. But something that's interesting is something that we agreed on kind of leading up to this was that adventure games, they're almost always created by and create auteurs. Right. This game is, is a singular expression of this Ragnar Tornquist guy. And you can, even if you don't know that going into it, you can feel it throughout the game. And I find that to be true with adventure games in general. You know, you, you have these these big name writers like you have these Tim Schafer's and Ron Gilbert's, Rand Miller, you know, adventure games tend to, you know, uh, what's her name? Uh, Robert, Roberta Williams. Yeah. You know, you get adventure games are, are tied to their creators because they're statements. You know, they're they're really closer to that. You know, there's that, you know, Ebert argument that uh, video games can't be art because of how interactive they are. And because adventure games limit that interactivity, I feel like like they're more of a, a statement. Yeah. You know, it, it feels like an artistic statement. And uh, that's really cool. Like it's you know this this game feels different than Monkey Island or Gabriel Knight. And of course now we know who to blame the shittiest puzzles on. <laughs> right, exactly. You have these people who are who are really staunch uh, narrative focused uh, people, mm-hmm. and perhaps not they're not so great with the, uh, the really satisfying puzzles. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, oh well. But but what's cool about this, you know, just like 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 we said, we can't get away from things that are blending sci-fi and fantasy. And I just I just love that this 
picks my favorite cyberpunk trope and plays it out kind of the hyper anarcho capitalism right <laughs> you know like there's only one soda bingo um yeah and, and, and it's after the soda wars yeah the soda there's wars, a great yeah. part where she says like uh even if uh bingo wasn't the only remaining soda after the soda wars i'd still choose it <laughs> you know <laughs> like, literally there was a war and then uh you know there's another part she runs there's a grocery store she really likes called tyrannosaurus yeah and uh she talks about how uh they as a marketing push they took a gigantic robotic tyrannosaurus and destroyed all their competitors <laughs> and like that kind of thing is just fine you know it's yeah. like that you know, in the face of capitalism, all this stuff is, is acceptable. <laughs> yeah. And she, and she like brushes off and says, yeah, you know, it might have been a dick move, but their logo is really cool. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, you know, everyone just accepts it. It reminds me a little bit of a, a comic called Transmetropolitan. Okay. Which I, I recommend to anyone listening or, or to yourself. Uh, okay. Warren Ellis comic that is very, very cool. It's essentially the one line kind of premise is uh, uh, like Hunter S. Thompson in the future. Like it's a character who's very much like a Hunter S. Thompson commenting on. Oh, this yeah. Spider Jerusalem, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a uh, yeah, Spider Jerusalem. So, very very good comic. And there are parts of this game that reminded me of that. And then Crow. Crow the, yeah. the, I can't say enough good things about Crow. He's, he's a good character. He he is singularly the best sidekick I think a game has ever had. Move over miles per hour. I I think that there are a lot <laughs> I think there's a lot of uh kind of parallels in this game to Planescape. And it will be interesting when we do that game because it has Mort who oh, yeah. is, I would think is arguably the best sidekick oh, okay. in a game. And they're not that dissimilar. Like they're, <laughs> you know, um, or, uh, kind of just moving on to some things that are, they're frustrating. I think it's safe to say we both really like the game. Um, I wish I didn't have to play it under a deadline, but it's, it's masterful as far as like storytelling and character. It's really good. Yeah. Um, so play it even after we spoiled the shit out of it, you're still <laughs> going to find details that we didn't mention. You're still going to like it. Uh, play mm-hmm. it back in hand, which is our stock advice. Yes. For all games, pretty for, much. For anything, really, because uh, figuring stuff out is hard. Um, <laughs> and, and I think that I forgot to make a note of this, but the length really is um, unnecessary. Like, the, the, the story is great, but I am always in favor of no matter how long your game is, make it 20% shorter. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm 100% with you there. Yeah. Uh, there, there are no, there's almost no game that I feel like, oh, I wish, you know, this would never end. <laughs> by, by the end of almost every video game, I'm happy that it's ending. Yeah. You know, and I shouldn't necessarily feel that way. That's a frustration. It ties into that pacing thing I mentioned earlier, too, where the game is really, you know, really uh, dense in the later half and really kind of relaxed in the first half. And I wish that was just kind of medium throughout the whole thing. Um, And I I alluded to this a couple of times, but April's CGI model is just a thing of nightmares. (laughs) Um, It really is. Like, and I understand that it was a limitation of the, you know, kind of the. Uh, way that they had to render her you know it, it just but i don't even know if it was a limitation it seemed like a design problem because right. her her in-game character design was fine and if they could have just up that or up poly that and used it it would be okay but uh as it stands right now she looks like cartilage head from Akewood. yeah I, I was not familiar with cartilage head and <laughs> looked at the link from your notes and not only is that amazing <laughs> in and of itself but it's very accurate yeah um she does look awful she, she, uh, she's nothing but cheekbones and and like just sallowness. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she, yeah. She's she's like a um like a doll that like a little girl in an Edward Gorey comic would hold on to. <laughs> like, she's, ugh. Um, of course, this game has all the problems that all adventure games have. I mean, there's you know to an extent there's a reason why. As much as we love them, like you know twenty percent of the games we've done on the show have been adventure games, which which account for like you know, 3% of the market, you know, so it's really <laughs> clear that, you know, we're fans of the genre, Yeah, but, uh, there are problems with them for, with good reason. Oh, and, yeah. and 
and this game has has that as well. You know, it's just kind of a a price of admission. You're going to have to deal with some bullshit. Yeah. You know? more, more more so just just because of the the limitations. It almost feels it feels like you're playing a game with mittens on. Really? Yeah. Like just a and, and not just like, you know, like interacting with things, but the options that are presented to you. You really are following down these these kind of uh very authored paths. And, right. and, you know, it's just one of those things where you can miss details and where you can not pick up on the hints that they're laying down or they're not laying down enough hints and just uh, frustration results. And I, I, I'm not a very patient person, so I don't deal with frustration very well. But, right. Yeah. I, I, I when during that part where I was doing the labyrinth, the alchemist labyrinth, uh, my wife was upstairs napping. And I, I like literally just like, oh fuck you, like at full, <laughs> full volume, and uh, you know woke her up during that. <laughs> oh no. Um, I thought like also some of the navigation really bothered me. Like I like these big sweeping vistas, but there's just parts where I just couldn't get around as quickly as I wanted to. Like you can hit escape and kind of zoom past things. Yeah. But you always risk um, if somebody talks to you when you get to the new place. You, I skipped the first couple lines of dialogue mm-hmm. a few times on accident. Yeah, me too. Because of that. And when you when you do things, so if you have to walk over something to pick it up, you have to double click the pickup. You can't just double click when you walk places. Mm-hmm. And you walk at it like who? Why doesn't run automatically what you do in this game? Can you imagine playing through this game without running? Oh. Like you walk slower than anything. Like you're so so lackadaisical. Mm-hmm. Like you do not care when you you have nowhere to be in, <laughs> in this game. You're a lazy fucking art student yeah. who, who runs by your own schedule because it is. You want everything, and the game is just—it happens slow. Like when you have to turn the little the knobs on any of the puzzles that have you know kind of uh, interactivity, like the, those telephone puzzles on the Alation Island. Yeah, it, they just move so slow, and it just the, the game is very slow. It's not like you're trying to save the world. Up, oh, I mean worlds. I'll never get used to that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Uh. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to pass judgment on it because. <laughs> I'm too tolerant, Gary. I'm I'm too tolerant of adventure games. I'm too tolerant of their bullshit. Um, I would even recommend this to somebody who didn't like adventure games and then be satisfied with the fact that they would probably never want to talk to me again. Um, <laughs> as long as they played the first hour of it, <laughs> yeah. you've done your done your job. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Like I have a you know, as I I played a lot more adventure games when I was younger. Um, never played. I never played this one. I don't think you ever played this one either. So we you know we don't have that first exposure kind of segment i mean i bought it and this this is one of those games that like has has perpetually been ten dollars for right. me like i bought it for like ten dollars back in like 2004 yeah. <laughs> you know? and it's just been on your backlog oh yeah but the, the thing with adventure games is like i really do enjoy them but they do feel good for me in a weird way like there's a portion of them that feels like um uh not homework but like it is, it is they are novelistic at their best they're they're literature so, you know, there's a part of it that's good for you. So as much as I like them, I find that in the experience, I'll get frustrated. And afterwards, I'll find them very, like, haunting. Like, right now, I like this game more than I liked it when I was playing it. Yep. You know, like, reflecting on it. Same thing happened with Mist. Like, after, you know, there were many times I got frustrated in Mist. And afterwards, for just a couple of days later, I would find it very haunting. Like, I would just kind of be like, oh, Mist, you know. Like, just, it would, it would come to mind. And, and I would appreciate things about it um, kind of in the long form. Whereas other games are more kind of immediate gratification. Most certainly. And I always, I have always approached adventure games like they were novels. And, you know, I, I don't know. I'd like to see how tight the Venn diagram is between like people who are avid readers and people who like adventure games. 
because it, I, I don't know if you if you weren't the kind of person who was patient enough to sit down and read a book if you would enjoy an adventure game and you're probably a cretin too so right. okay. <laughs> <laughs> um do you want to do the comments yeah, let's read some, some comments. So, of course, we here at Watch Out for Fireballs Industries, we value your feedback, your input. We want to make things better. Uh, and most of all, we want to hear uh, what you think about the games that we're playing. Um, and we got some really good chatter on the uh, Something Awful forums, the, the the video game podcast mega thread. Again, super tremendous support from those guys. Love that um, thread. Love that thread. I always uh, is, uh, I, I like hearing people say nice things about me, Gary. I like it, and they do that. <laughs> I thing. know. Yeah, crippling need for self validation <laughs> is one of the four well, groups that every Watch Out for Fireball sandwich is made out of. <laughs> and the uh, and I I one hundred percent agree. There's nothing yeah. that you know if I'm just having a regular day at work or something like that, and and find a new iTunes review or find a comment on that, it makes me feel really good. Yeah. So so, so, so every every time you say something nice about us, I back I back away from the ledge. But. Um, <laughs> No, but yeah. if you want to say nice things uh, about the games that we're playing or mean things about the games that we're playing or nice or mean things about us, uh, the ways you can do that, you'll hear this again towards the end, but you can email us at watch out for fireballs at duckfeed.tv. You can uh, leave a note on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash watch out for fireballs. And of course we have a voicemail uh, uh, number, which you can call, which is four one nine eight three four W O F F. That is not toll free, but Hey, the podcast's free. You know. Yeah, and the the uh, the voicemail is it's collecting some cobwebs right now. Uh, we'd love to hear some some yeah. voicemails. Don't be, a, neat, don't, don't be don't be shy. Yeah, don't be shy. We are not. Uh, we're we're just like you. We're probably worse than you. We're smaller than you, really. Yeah, <laughs> we're small. <laughs> we're petty. Men. We're petty men. Petty but, small men. <laughs> but uh, both both of our both of our comments came from the something awful forums thread here. Uh, mm-hmm. So why, why don't you get started again? Yeah, I'm gonna get you started with. Uh, a uh, commenter named Dorapole or Dorapole. I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce it, but uh, he says this about the longest journey. <clears throat> Holy balls, the longest journey. I really think that this game nails a lot of the narrative problems that other games trip on. The game throws you into a semi-familiar world, but doesn't bash you over the head with lore. April is actually one of the few strong, realistic female protagonists that doesn't resort to cheap shower scenes or butt shots to satisfy the quote-unquote average gamer. The game resists pulling cheap heartstrings and definitely uses a show-don't-tell approach to storytelling. Also, a fucking art student. How cool is that? Butt shots or shower, shower scenes. Ding, 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 ding. Indigo <laughs> prophecy. Indigo prophecy. Yeah. Will you step down to the front? <laughs> yeah. And I actually even kind of like indigo prophecy. Me too. That, that is fucking ridiculous. Like, <laughs> I, I, hate, I hate the average gamer, in quotes. <laughs> like, just, like quit, quit demeaning us all by just wanting to look at naked women all the time. Like, I... I, I enjoy butt shots. Like I'm, I'm a, I enjoy the female form, but I, I, just, you know, I don't need to mix every part of my life with it. No. It's not like every ad for everything I need to take in every movie. I see every game I play needs to be full of fucking straight on serious I, staring me in the eye. I have Sauron camel toe, you know, for me to enjoy it. We can't and escape then, the ass. We can't escape the ass to follow us. We're drowning in ass, Gary. I know it's it's and and this I like how this game you know doesn't do it on purpose it kind of subverts that by making her so Lovecraftian in the yeah in the, uh, in the, the CGI cutscenes also even the regular model she has a pretty serious case of like uh, back boobs oh. like you know how you know girls can have like front butt or back rack and she's kind of got back rack where her her ass looks like another woman's boobs 
was kind of tacked on. Yeah. Um, but I, I agree with you 100% Dorapol on every one of your points. Yeah. I think that, that you're, you're exactly right about what this game does well and what it avoids doing, which is almost as important. Exactly. It's very, very tactful. Totally. If she had been a little sex pot, it would be, it would be terrible. It'd be unbearable. Yeah. No, the average gamer needs to do, needs to do better. We're not all, you know, uh, energy drink spilling, Dorito eating, you know, sexist fucks. Yeah. Nas energy gamers. <laughs> Bequeath the teeth. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh let's uh let's move on speaking of uh, uh sexist people let's say al i'm not calling you a sexist but uh but uh, al yeah there we go very children. Children. yeah yeah that was it's, very it's, <laughs> it's a tawdry show a tawdry show but <laughs> let's let's go i'm not sure if that's what they're saying but al says i came to this game much later on uh than when it came out um, and although it's not age well, the writing, I, I wasn't sure how to parse that sentence, but I, I just wanted to present it as it was. I think that for the most part, the puzzling is not very good, even by adventure game uh, standards, uh, though it's no honey on the cat hair makes a mustache. You know what game's that from? What uh, that's from Gabriel Knight 3. Oh, OK. Yep. Yeah, because that, that's like along with the soup cans from the seventh guest, that's kind of always cited as being uh, uh, one of the worst puzzles. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it is. I played Gabriel Knight 3 and it's. It's ter- it's, it's, it's mind-blowingly dumb. Oh, well. He continues, but what really redeems it is the depth of the characters. It's very much in a style I don't like, where all the characters speak in a series of one-liners or generally uh, in the in the way only fictional characters would speak, uh, which I like to refer to as Whedoning. Of course, referring to <laughs> Joss Whedon, which is a yeah. valid criticism oh, uh, yeah. for as much as I like Firefly. Um, <laughs> I'm a nerd who likes Firefly. Who would have guessed? Um, Wrong courts forever. <laughs> Steampunk. Definitely. Uh. <laughs> um, however, uh, they each are detailed enough uh, to make the world and adventure seem interesting. For example, you meet one character whose purpose in the game is simply to give you a piece of the plot MacGuffin for information about how his species experiences all time as one instant and how he was chosen to be an ambassador to man because he was better than the others at perceiving time and linearity as a final thought i love adventure games but they are such a strange beast they uh, they especially in a modern context really aren't very fun they're uh, sort of a holdover from text adventures and as such are mostly an exercise in verbing the noun on the noun uh, and so on. Uh, so I'm sure anyone who has played enough of them has experienced that moment where you just go kick in the door, <laughs> just kick in the fucking door. Uh, so as games, none of them can be considered very good, but somehow I still love them. Is it the nostalgia for those days when uh, the first games involved loading off of an actual floppy drive and typing get Apple? I'm not sure. Thanks, Al. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying here. Um you know, the, the kind of the weedening of the, the dialogue, I felt that didn't pop out. I can kind of see it in retrospect. It didn't pop out to me very much because it's so consistent within the world. And the same way, like, you know, I'm also a big fan of Firefly and, and that's, you know, almost all of the Joss Whedon I know. <laughs> but because everyone does it and it's so consistent in tone, I just kind of am along for the ride, you know, with it. Um, but I don't think you're wrong about that. It is it is the details of the characters, kind of like backstories and everything that, that make it, you know, yeah. what you point out. I, I don't like it when April does like the like the aside to herself, like where it's like the oh boy, not this again, or after she, she solves a puzzle, like boy, I sure wrapped that duck around that clamp and got that iron key. Right, <laughs> you know, right. it's like it, it it almost feels unnecessary, except when it's funny and then it's justified. Right, you know? and it's and it's, it kind of breaks that verisimilitude 
of, of the game. You know, it just doesn't feel very, very real. Um, for the, as far as the, the second kind of portion where you're talking about adventure games in general, again, like I, I pretty much agree with you, you know, what we were talking about, how they're, they're not very gamey um, adventure games, but they're still very appealing. And I think what it is, is it's that way that the novels are appealing. I think it's more than nostalgia, yeah. at least at least for me. Um, but it, they're not very gamey. And fun is kind of the wrong word when you're going through them. It's It can be satisfying and everything, but it's not the, – the fun is not very, like, visceral. It's not like a fun you feel. It's a fun you think about. It's weird, but it's almost like it's it's not fun. It's, you know, you're you're spending time and almost building equity. You're building narrative equity. Right. <laughs> that's like a really good, really nerdy way to put that, yeah. Cole. <laughs> like, that, that is true. Like, that's, that's, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. That's nice. Slam dunk. <laughs> yeah, very well done. Yeah, the uh, and I and I would recommend also for you and we talked about it, but that documentary Get Lamp. Uh, I, I looked for it. Is that is that on Netflix? What's the avenue to get that? You know, uh, it's uh, against my my better judgment. I pirated it. Yeah, oh, okay. I just because I couldn't find it, so I couldn't find it on Netflix. I couldn't find it find it anywhere. So I just downloaded it. It's probably like up on Google videos or YouTube. I would imagine like it can't be for profit. Um, so I would definitely agree with Al about that the part where he talks about having the old floppy disk and that being part of the appeal. There's kind of like a romance to old video games. Um, you know, just having that kind of physicality of the media and thinking about the time time that you spent. It's kind of nostalgia, but it's also just kind of this, like this, this feeling of, of, uh, you know, I don't know of like kind of wonder, like romance is really the only word for it. I can think of, even though it doesn't seem 100% accurate. I can't sit down and play an adventure game without thinking of myself being like seven or eight and um, sitting down with Maniac Mansion on the NES and banging my head up against that brick wall because it was unlike anything I'd ever seen. Everything kind of takes me back to that one kind of singular feeling. Right, right. I think about I end up spending a lot of time thinking about Gabriel Knight when I when I think about about this. And I think it, we we should take a long break from adventure games, but that would be a yeah. fun one to do if you've never played it. Okay, that's a that's a that's a good game. Mm-hmm. I think that you would like it. Um, you know, but I just having spent so much time with these games and it being such a part of like, you know, the other half of my, my, you know, growing up with games, like young, I spent a lot of time with role-playing games. I spent a lot of time with adventure games and, and role-playing games have kind of persisted a little bit stronger, but adventure games are still a big part of like what I think of when I think about video games. Yeah. So, but again, I, I totally agree with you all about, you know, that, that what, you know, your points there. So this is going to be a tough one as far as, as far as deliberating. Yeah. Well, let us um, open up this uh, little terror in the universe and shift on over to the uh, deliberation chamber, and we'll come back with our verdict. Uh, so yeah, we came back from the deliberation chamber, and we would like deliberation to, dimension. Oh, the, the deliberation dimension. De- deliberationia. <laughs> we, we live in a split world between Earth and deliberationia. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, but we came back from wherever that is. I can't say that word. My tongue isn't isn't, isn't equipped for it. I'm not a magical beast. Um, but uh, yeah, we we think that Al uh, should get it. <laughs> Yeah, we, we we liked that uh, you 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 were brave enough to criticize a game that we that we very clearly liked, um, and for 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 that it shows moxie, it shows gumption, and uh, it inspired a lot <laughs> you know, of conversation. We'll do well with this com- company. Al. <laughs> I, I also I, I also think that you know I I like that that kind of like textured textured view of it. You yeah. know, it's just like this. You know, this is really cool in spite of these things. Mm-hmm. You know, which which uh, you know Dora Poole said as well. 
both great comments. It was yeah. not, it was a difficult decision. And if, and if we were one of the, you know, two of the five <laughs> richest kings in Europe, we would shower everyone who commented with free games. Yeah. And if you're interested, and we'll talk about this next point here, um, you can, are both eligible for this next thing we're going to talk about. Ooh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, Al, we'll be in touch as far as uh, getting you a game. The uh, Let's talk about that, that little bonus thing and then talk about what game we're doing next. Okay. Um, so the bonus thing is the extra sewed initiative that we here at Watch Out for Fireballs have uh, have decided. There are little bits and pieces of every single episode uh, that um, you know would normally go into the cutting room floor, would normally be lost to history. But we think that uh, those little pieces of the show and you deserve better. So we are repackaging those remnants, those podcast byproducts, and we're giving mm-hmm. them out to people who engage with the show. Right. So so both Al and Dorapool, if if you'd like, um, we will we'll message you. Or, um, you know, if we if we can, if uh, if you have private message on something awful and give you a link to the MP3 for the extra episode for this episode, it's going to be like 10, 15 minutes. Um, you know, we're not saying this is this is, you know, amazing material or anything like that, but it's also not crap. It's stuff that we like. We just can't find a place for um, in the future. We also might produce some original content for, for these things, you know, a little like, comments on games. We're not going to do full episodes on things like that. But the idea is just kind of to incentivize participation and support. Uh, and not put to waste these things that we think are you know, actually pretty valid and, and funny or smart or otherwise worthwhile. Yeah. So, so the, the the way that you can get them, obviously, you can you can comment on uh, on, on the games themselves, or uh, you can do any of the uh, uh, multitude of things that we mention at the end of every show in the kind of like plugs and uh, housekeeping session. In the past and earlier episodes, if you've commented or supported the show, and uh, you're interested in these episodes. Uh, we just started them. We're not going to penalize you for helping us out before we came up with the idea. So just let us know. Um, get in touch with us on Facebook or email, and we'll get you the links yeah. for those. We don't mind. Uh, you know, we don't mind using digital paper. It is a. We're not going to be stingy about it. No. So. no. So why don't we talk about the games that we're going to be doing next? Um, you know, we, we have it pretty much plotted out for the next uh, for the next couple of episodes, for the right. next several episodes. Um, so let's go on down the line. Um, yeah, so- yeah, our our next one is going to be about uh, is going to be about Super Mario Land Two, uh, mm-hmm. the uh, the six golden coins, which was for the original Game Boy and is available on the 3DS uh, eShop mm-hmm. for four dollars, yeah. uh, three ninety nine. As a great little platformer, very strange. Um, after that, we're doing our first two parter. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but our episodes have been getting getting a little bit longer, and uh, we don't you know we're okay with that. We we like we don't feel like there's a lot of you know, wasted conversation in them, but we're doing a game so big that it necessitates two entire episodes. Um, we are doing Final Fantasy VI. So the the first episode is going to be the World of Balance, and the second episode is going to be the World of Ruin. And uh, this will be in January. Um, and Final Fantasy VI, it's you know we're fortunate that there's a lot of really great ways uh, to get a hold of that. Um, there there's a version that's available on the. Uh, uh, PSN store for I believe for six dollars. Um, you can also get it on the Wii Virtual Console for eight dollars. Uh, the definitive version, the one that um, I and Gary really like, is available on the Game Boy Advance. Um, mm-hmm. They 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 fixed up some of the script and they added a little bit of extra bonus content and it's nice to be able to play it on a portable. Um, and that one, you know, it's not in print anymore uh, because you know the Game Boy Advance isn't a thing anymore. Uh, but uh, right. you can probably find that for you know forty bucks or so if you want to. I've, get I've that. seen it for like twenty. Oh, nice. So I've seen it and and it's a uh, you know it's it's kind of hard to get a get a hold of. But these games are so good portable, like they just make so much sense. Yeah. 
like on, on a portable system. Like four, five, and six are the like those I consider to be the definitive versions. Honestly, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I one hundred percent agree. Um, after that, we are going doing our first uh, Sony PlayStation game, and we are doing Silent Hill two. After that, which I'm really excited about, it's a I'm a, a fan of survival horror, but this is a, a gaping hole in my my knowledge. Yeah, and it's um, unequivocally, unabashedly my favorite game of all time. Um, so we will uh, definitely have some interesting discussion there. I'm really excited for you to play it, Gary. Yeah, um, I'm really excited to, too. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to either play it because I'll have a great time and it'll be good, or we get to watch the sparks fly as we, we talk about <laughs> as we enter the conflict trashing chamber. your favorite your favorite game as we 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 shift into conflictania yeah um, yeah but that I, one, I'm sure I'll, I'll like it actually yeah. but the, but that one um it, it'll be that episode will be recording shortly after the HD remakes come out uh, so you'll be able to get the uh, the the high definition ones there um, so it will be readily available for you yeah and I, I'm going to play in regular low definition so. oh yeah. And then uh, after that, we are doing uh, Metroid Fusion. So, Can, kind of continuing our, uh, our our long history of taking the bastard stepchildren of uh, of different uh, series and playing them. Yep, and and the long history of doing uh, some of Cole's favorite games in a row. <laughs> <laughs> which, Wait a minute, which, which, which is fine. I, I'm excited about all these games. Uh, Metroid Fusion, I never quite ever finished, but I'm looking forward to this opportunity to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, it is available in cart form for pretty cheap. I just recently bought it for six dollars, um, and I'm also I have a Ambassador 3DS, so I'll be getting a downloadable different version as well. But I wanted to be able to play it on my laptop uh, Game Boy Advance for the show so there we go so that that, that takes us up through february so uh, get cracking if you want any of those games <laughs> um and, and I, I just want to point out to you that now that we're kind of playing these further in advance part of the reason why we're doing it is because um we're doing those long games like we're doing final fantasy like i've already started final fantasy 6 because <laughs> it's like a 60 hour game um and because of how long this game was i also don't want to be beholden to this if something happens and we decide not to do metroid fusion yeah that might happen we mm-hmm. might put it off or something but Right now, we want to give you guys a tentative schedule so you guys know what we're about to do. If you guys want to play along, you guys have plenty of time to, uh, to prepare. So, yeah, so if you are, uh, as we mentioned before, if you want to help out the show, um, if you're willing to rate us, write us a review or leave us a rating on iTunes, that's the number one way that you can help us out. We had a long kind of drought of uh of contact on itunes and then we're rescued just recently <laughs> from that um, which is very nice always happy to see those um but we also understand that some people do not like itunes you know like apple um that's fine and uh if that's the case then please just you, know, you can tell your friends about it uh mention on facebook become a fan on the facebook fa- uh facebook page and uh that would also be excellent and all these things can uh you know doing these things to support the show can get you those sweet sweet extra sodes um, another thing that you can do, you can go to duckfeed.tv slash Amazon and uh, you're going to be doing any uh, e-shopping, uh, cyber cyber buying um, mm-hmm. on the on the internet, on the information superhighway. You can use that your, link. <laughs> your e-wallet and, and pull out some digicreds yeah. to, <laughs> yeah. to, to download all the latest e-books. Mm-hmm. We, we get a little kickback from that and uh, it doesn't cost you a single extra cent. Um, and there is the duckfeed.tv slash donate page. I feel a little bit creepy talking about it, but it is there. And, yep. uh, you know, just the thing that exists, that's a thing that's there. Not going to not, yep. not, not going to pressure you. Let's um, not pretend that doesn't exist. <laughs> do, do we want to uh, talk about the buttons? Yeah. Um, so I, I got the buttons in the, uh, the little pins in and they are very nice looking. They are, uh, 
They look great. It features our little mascot. I've given several of them out to friends. Um, if you want one, get in touch with us somehow with your address. Um, it's not going to cost you anything. We're just going to mail them out. I've gotten some requests. If you're listening to this and you requested one, you probably already received it because I'm going to send those out early this week. Um, but if you want one, just let us know. We have a limited edition run for this first batch, but if we run out, I'm sure we'll get more. We're just happy to have people, uh, you know, kind of showing off their their appreciation of the show. Yeah. So and they and they look great. They're very attractive. I think even if you didn't like the show, you would want to wear one because they're just it's an attractive logo. So again, I, I don't know if we ever mentioned this, but Cole did the logo for the show and it looks very good. Oh yeah. So, so yeah, put it put it on your stuff. Put it on your things. You know, your your coat, your bag. Uh, your person. Um, I, I want to see some body modifiers, you know, walking around out there <laughs> with a with a with a waff earring that's a, that's two inches wide. No big deal. Um, and and yeah, send us a send us a picture, and and yes. uh, we we love to put it up on on the Facebook. If you ever need to wind a magical watch to contact a <laughs> crazy Mexican guy, you can also use the pin <laughs> to to do so. So so uh, I think that wraps up the the, the homework uh, portion. Um, if you would like to hear more out of us, you can catch Gary at uh, deadideavalhalla.com. That is his music slash variety comedy show, which is uh, uh, very good, very amazing. Listen to all of them because they are timeless. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's a place where I put it out. Just kind of is going to evolve into a general place for, for Gary on the Internet. So not sure exactly what will be there, but if you're interested in me, that is where you will find me. Um, if you're interested in cool or humor in general, um, livelihood, value, uh, video games, any and discussion, um, po- any any of these things. If you're interested in those, you should go to www.duckfeed.tv and check out Cole's other shows. Um, the one I keep up with the most is Those Damn Ross Kids. It's a comedy show he does with his brother. Um, it's hilarious. You guys have really been in a stride lately, oh. and I've, I've been pointing that out on, on Facebook, but I feel like you guys are doing some of your strongest work right now, oh. and uh, very funny. And then he also, for, for people who are more into new games, he does a show called Stand Under the Don't Tree and Riddle Me This. I think this is a very good show. It's just you, I can't keep up <laughs> with new games. So you guys are often talking about stuff I do not know. Yep. So I have not kept up with this one as well, but I do support it. So yeah. if you, if you uh, keep up with the modern world of gaming, um, you would be hard-pressed to do better as far as a uh, guy sitting in a room talking about games podcasts than this one. Yeah, well, thank you. So I think we've established there are multiple dimensions, there are multiple sides to this world, magical realms and, you know, science with your MP3 players and whatnot. But, you know, no matter what world you're in, I think a good piece of advice to to, to follow, to live by would be. Right, would be that printers suck in all dimensions (laughs) and watch out for fireballs. Wait a minute. I don't, I, don't I, know. Know. I don't know when you started playing Dungeons and Dragons, but 
If it was on third point, 3.0 oh. where they have the attacks of opportunity. Okay, yeah, there we go. I did. And that's a common tongue twister there. Tap a tap a tunity. Tap a tap a tuna peat. A tap of tap of tuna peat. Tuna peat. I love that guy. What did I do to earn this nickname? 